Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. I did not use ZipRecruiter to hire nephew Kyle, but it, but but if he had been on ZipRecruiter, I don't know. I don't think I, it would have worked out. You, you don't think it would have worked out? <laughs> no. All right. So he's in the 20% of it wouldn't have worked out. They wouldn't have suggested him. He's been great. But 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day, a quality candidate that was probably better than nephew Kyle is a candidate. They're the best at distributing your job to the best boards, identifying the right people and inviting them to apply. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for NBA, NHL, baseball, whatever you know what to do, use promo code BS. Buy your Red Sox playoff tickets right now. The Red Sox are a machine. My dad was sending orgasmic Red Sox tweets from his uh, Twitter feed yesterday, Dr. Bill 1947. Uh, download the SeatGeek app or go right to A Couple of couple, uh, things to mention. Andre the Giant premiered last night on HBO, the documentary that we've been working on for a long time here at Ringer Films. Uh, it seemed like the response was great. I'm so glad people finally got to saw it. Wanted to tell you it's on HBO two tonight, uh, I think at ten o'clock, and also more importantly, it's on HBO on demand, HBO Go, HBO Now. Uh, however, you get your HBO from a streaming standpoint, it is available. Uh, really want you to see it. Uh, I'm really proud of this one, and um, it's been great that everybody was finally able to see it. It's been the worst part of this is the four to five months when you feel like it's ready to be seen, and then you just kind of have to wait. So this was cool. And uh, thanks to everybody who sent a nice email or a tweet about it. Appreciate it. Couple podcast things that are going on. I went on the Ringer MLB show yesterday to talk about Otani's MVP campaign as well as um, as the the Red Sox and the future of the Red Sox this season with Michael Bauman and Ben Lindbergh. So that happened. I went on House of Carbs today. We did a special House of Carbs slash Ringer NBA crossover that had a really fun gimmick. And I've kind of, after the fact, realized I should have just taken it for the BS podcast and you guys could have enjoyed it. Now you have to go to House of Carbs. You have to listen to House. No, I'm just kidding. Go to House of Carbs. Check that out. What we did was we took the 16 NBA playoff cities and tried to figure out ranking them from 16 to one who our bellies wanted to see in the NBA finals. So that I'm going to every NBA finals game this year. I'm probably going to bring House to at least a couple of them. And more importantly, I'm going to bring House's stomach in his mouth. And we were trying to figure out what would be the best case scenario for the finals just for uh, us to gain seven pounds. So we played it out. One of the reasons we played it out was we figured the the cities that weren't ranked as well would get pissed and mail us. Oh, I, I can't believe you thought Cleveland sucks. Like they have the greatest Polish restaurant in downtown, whatever. Please mail us all of this. Mail it to us at Tweet at House. He's at... House from DC on Twitter. He has the House for House of Carbs Instagram. Send this to us. We are belly sourcing. We did this partly because um, it was a completely um, passionate list that we did no research whatsoever for. We just followed our bellies and our brains, and we are prepared to have people yell at us, scold us, um, be angry at us. That's all fine. Just tell us where to eat. If we did something wrong, correct us. We're right here. 
Um, we, we're not going to take it personally because if we get a good meal out of it, great. So that happened. Check that out. It's actually a really, really fun podcast. It was one of, one of my favorite ones I've done in a while. It's a good one. It's on House of Carbs. We also ran it on the Ringer NBA show today. The other thing is I am hosting the Ringer NBA show tonight. We're doing group chat. Chris Ryan is in Philadelphia. So I am taking over as the host tonight. We are going to tape after the Minnesota-Denver game tonight, which is going to end around uh, 1 o'clock East Coast time, 10 o'clock Pacific time. We are taping a show with a bunch of uh, our ringer friends. And that will be up late, late night, night tonight in time for your uh, your Thursday morning drive, your Thursday morning workout, your Thursday morning, I don't have a job. This is the highlight of my morning because I'm not working. Whatever, whatever you have, whatever floats your boat, it will be available. We're going to break down the Minnesota-Denver game, all the playoff seedings, all the ramifications, and go from there. So check that out. Be ready for that. Coming up, Mike Francesa, our old friend, the mystery man. He's going to talk about the Masters, the uh, the Super Bowl, the NBA Finals, MVP, all kinds of stuff, Yankees, Red Sox. And then after him, Alyssa Bearsnack from The Ringer covers tech for us. Very good writer. Has a lot of thoughts. We want to talk about this Facebook thing, which we have not talked about really on the podcast since uh, it ballooned and mushroomed and blown and blew up. It's something that I am really scared of and confused about. And um, I'm really worried that this is going to get worse, not better. So we're going to talk about that with Alyssa. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, as promised, the world's most interesting man. It's not the Dos Equis guy. It's Mike Francesa. He's been been hibernating all of 2018. Nobody knows what he's up to. What are you up to, Mike Francesa? I've been busy. Uh, I've been keeping busy. I haven't talked to you in a while, though. We haven't spoken in a while. I know you were down at the Super. I'm down at the uh, Masters with some friends of mine. So uh, who saw you down there? So uh, did you enjoy your experience? I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was probably the greatest 48 hours of my dad's life. It was everything oh, he ever good. wanted. He, yeah. he, he, you know what? I think if now I'm going to figure that your father's a weekend golfer and he loves golf. If you, I can't imagine if that's the case, anyone ever going to a place that would even approach what Augusta is like, because it is, it is so special from that regard. It is so different and so unique. It, it's, it's an amazing place where any golfer has to go once. And it's one of those things you keep hearing how special it is. And if you haven't gone, you're like, all right, enough with Augusta. Fine. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's great. But then when you go, it's like, oh my God, they take your phone and the course is so much harder than I think anyone can imagine. It's and so much hillier. So much, so many hills and yes. some of these, uh, some of these tees where you, you really have to like threading a needle to hit it straight. It burned speeth on the 18th hole on Sunday. It's it's it was just great. It gave me a whole new perspective on the course and how hard it and is. It looks so pretty. It's almost fake. It looks almost fake. Yeah. It's so pretty. And they do doll it up, which we know they dye the water and they bring in azaleas and we that's fine. But they make it beautiful and it looks beautiful, and it's a unique tournament and it has a mystique and that's why everyone always says, oh, put all of it on TV and change this. And these guys are smart enough, yeah, and wealthy enough, but smart enough that they know exactly what they have. 
and the, the mystique is what makes it special, and that's why everybody treats it so special, because it is unique. It is a unique experience. It's a unique competition. And the other thing that is an enormous advantage, which no other, no other golf tournament can deal with, is the people at home know the holes. Yeah. That course, everybody knows where the pin placement's going to be on Sunday and where you got to hit the ball and all that stuff if you watch it all the time. So it really gives the fan a tremendous uh, ability to view it almost like a player where he doesn't get that week to week. You're like me. You appreciate true greatness. And I think Tiger at his peak was up there with Ali and Jordan and you know, some of the other and guys. Jack, Jack and, was on that same level. And Jack yeah. from and my Nicholas lifetime. was on that same level. But you're right. That, that's that's true greatness. And Jack had it. Tiger has it. Uh, so, he won't ever have it again, but he had it. And you're right. That's true true dominance and true greatness. Absolutely. So where, so as you're watching his career unfold now, people are so hopeful at the Masters. And even I was there Thursday and, you know, people were following him like, like it was out of a sports movie. Half the people on the course were just following him from hole to hole. We want this to happen so badly. And yet the history of following sports says, you know, this is probably Ali post third Frazier fight. This is probably Jordan on the wizards. This is probably Jack in the eighties, other than the 86 masters. Um, where, what are your hopes for tiger at this point? I think he can win again. On the, on the tour, I think he might be able to steal a major. Steal. But actually, he no longer is built for Augusta because he cannot win where his driver is going to be a dominant club. He has to be able to hit uh, his stinger. He has to be able to hit that three-wood. He can't keep the driver in the fairway, nor can Phil. Phil doesn't have the club head speed nor the ability to, to be consistent enough with the with the driver to play those courses against these younger guys. These other guys are bigger, they're stronger, plus they hit it straighter. Yeah. So that's why those guys, even if they're playing well, it's going to be very hard for them to win against Dustin Johnson uh, or against a Spieth or against so many of these guys, a, a Thomas, a Fowler, any of them, because these guys are longer, they're straighter, and that's the difference. Tiger and Phil both have the same malady. They can't keep their driver in the fairway. Right. And that is a big problem. And Tiger on Sunday hit it straight. From everything he said, he said he hit it great, and he didn't putt well that day. Well, usually he putts well. All right, and his... Uh, his his wedge bothered him for a while, but it's been good since he came back. He no longer, though, can use the driver, and that's why I don't think Tiger will ever win at Augusta again. I think he could win a major. I think he could steal one if he really played great. I just don't think he'll win at Augusta. Do you see greatness from Spieth? Uh, I see not not like Tiger dominance, but he what Spieth has that's better than anybody else's, he manages the game between his ears better than anybody out there. He is very, very good. And I'll tell you, Justin Thomas is close. They are very, very good, and they play it very smart. They handle course management. And Spieth owns Augusta, and that's why you saw him almost bring the entire tournament to its knees with a Sunday performance that was insane until the 18th. Absolutely insane. And the most amazing part about that was that he hit the ball in a fairway. Yeah. Every hole until 18 when he hit the tree because 
Spieth usually sprays his driver. He's not great off the tee. That's not his strength. His strength is his amazing putting, although this year he's been had a little bit of a problem with his short putts. A lot of people think he's got a little bit of a, not yips, but a little bit of a trick going on right there with his short putts. But the bottom line is he usually is not great off the tee. He was, he was lights out on Sunday until the 18th when he hit the ball off the tree. And that obviously cost him any chance. I thought Fowler showed you something he closed, but I think Fowler always plays better when he's chasing somebody and where people can forget him. When he has pressure on him, he doesn't seem to play well. He was in a perfect spot on Sunday to make a big run because no one was watching him. And then uh, I don't know if he can lead and win, but I think he can come from behind and win, and I think he'll win soon. Uh, He's the next one that has to win a major. I think he will, and he's very popular. The amazing thing on Sunday to me was – People didn't want Reed to win. I mean, I even the people there, they were rooting more for Rory than they were rooting for Reed. People just don't like Reed. I know. I was going to ask you, where does he rank for you against Ivan Lendl and Larry Holmes and some of the other big crowd just doesn't want the guy to win champions we've they, had? They, when he came to 18, it was like no one no one to cheer. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, they were rooting. We know they were rooting for Ricky. Yeah. We know they're rooting for Spieth. They love those guys. They were rooting more for Rory, and Rory had a really bad oh, Sunday bad. again. Not yeah. the second time there. Now, because Rory can't putt. Bottom line is, we know Rory gets red hot, but he's not a great putter. And when he didn't make that eagle putt on two, it changed his whole round. If yeah. he had made that eagle putt, he would have been off to the races. He didn't do it. His putter lets him down all the time. And that's a problem for Rory. That keeps Rory from being really great, is he's just not a good putter. Who's your number one least likable, just from the fan standpoint, champion? Is it Lendl? I feel like Lendl kind of killed tennis in the mid '80s to yeah, some degree. Yeah, but he was he was boring. I I, I, th- I think he was. I just don't like guys who are boring. That's yeah. all. I think you want guys with press. Why people love Mickelson? He's got personality. You can win with him. You can lose with him. Even when he go- crashes and burns, it's it's interesting. That's yeah. what you want. You want you want dominance, like you said, a, a true greatness. Otherwise, you want interest. You want something that's interesting. You want personality. And that's what you get from from Mickelson. But it was good. It wasn't an unbelievable finish. It would have been if Spieth had continued along yeah, he one and, more and really finished 18 the same way. It would have been fun to watch. But give Reed credit. Reed you know, went out there, and he stayed on the lead for two days. He took off every challenge, and he did a good job. you got to give him credit. Yeah. I know people don't like him, uh, and he's only before this done well at the Ryder Cup, but he played well. He really did. What's interesting is he does have a personality. He doesn't fit the he normal does. profile. He's, yeah, he's of, cocky. Yeah, he's cocky, but usually we like guys like like that. Like his private life, which I could care less about. I mean, yeah. stuff like that. I mean, I don't care about that. I, and I don't even care if he's cocky. What do I care? I don't mind if he wants to talk. Go ahead, talk. Put it, you know, he's produced. He won the Masters. Good for him. Yeah, I hope he embraces it. Uh, let's go backwards because I haven't talked to you in a couple months. The Yankees, I mean, and the Yankees are off to now. Let's be official. This is now an officially slow start. I mean, yeah. it was bad for a couple of days. They have some injuries. It's been brutally cold, as we know, but it's also been brutally cold in Boston. So let's not use that as an excuse, nor the injuries an excuse. The Yankees got a lot of players playing lousy. Their bullpen's been terrible. It's supposed to be all world. You know, uh, Stanton has been striking out. You know, I was at one game. He struck out five times. He also struck out five times the other day and left nine men on base. Uh, Sanchez, you know, no one's talking about it. He's two for 36. Yeah. I mean, so, and their bullpen's been horrid. It's just a bad start, and the Red Sox are playing lights out, and Betts is back to being Betts. Last year, he had a terrible year. Two years ago, he was great. He looks great again. I love Betts as a player. Love him. And uh, right now, I love Ben Attendee, too. What a beautiful swing. Uh, it's going to be a fun summer. I hope they get out to a lead and let the Yankees dig in and go chase him. 
It's a very good Red Sox team. And Bogarts, who was looking like an MVP candidate, unfortunately got hurt. But, you know, they added, he was hurt all last year. His wrist was messed up and he just couldn't get it going. And now he's back. And then they added J.D. Martinez. And now you have a full year of Devers, Benintende in year two. And the offense just feels top to bottom, just really good. And they have three starters and a closer. Is price going to be good or is price going to be gaggable like he usually is? The Yankees usually own price. Let's see what price does. Price has been an absolute failure for the money he gets. Let's well, be honest. He, he's been, he was good in the playoffs. Show up. Good in the playoffs. And he's had two really good starts. And I am bizarrely confident in price. I can't explain it, but I agree with you. He needs to. Yeah, he's owned him, though. It's yeah. interesting to see because they do own him. He needs to go out tonight and be like, actually, you don't know me. Watch this. I'm going to throw seven innings. I think it's a really good Red Sox team. My questions with the Yankees were starting pitching um, and just Stanton in a big city with attention on him. And the first time he goes two for 20, everybody writing about it all the time. How is he going to handle that? And it does look like it has the makings of a year from hell for them. Because we in baseball, I don't think that it's will weird. happen. I think they have. I, I think there's a couple of things. One, they have too much talent. Two, they have too much young talent. And here's what they have: they have the ability to go get any pitcher they want. True. They have so much in the farm system that people want. They have so many players in this farm system that people are drooling over. They can go get any pitcher they want in the pennant race. They've and they given will have up to, some of them because though. they can't rely on CC Sabathia. And you not even know about Montgomery yet. Tanaka will be okay, although he's not durable. Severino's a real deal. He's a real pitcher. Uh, but they're going to need a pitcher. There's no question. But they can get him. They can get him later in the season. And they'll be okay. Listen, they have a lot. They have guys that aren't even here yet that could have big seasons, like Labatoris could still come up and have a big year this year. They have plenty of players. This team will be fine. I, listen, I think it'll be a good summer. I think they'll run and uh, they'll you know let the Red Sox get out fast, let the Yankees go chase them all summer. It'll be fun. I like summers like that. And uh, the Yanks will be fine. I'm really excited about this American League. There's ebbs and flows season to season with uh, with the leagues. And the American League, you have this Yankees-Red Sox thing, I think is just going to be great. I think both teams will be in the mid-90s. Nothing better than the Yankees-Red Sox. But then on top of that, we have we have this Astros team that looks like one of – they look like the 75 big red machine um, combined with awesome pitching and a team that could really win 120 games conceivably. And then on top of that, Otani who is unlike any baseball player we've had in, in um, literally a hundred years. And it, you know, almost pitched a perfect game on Sunday already has three homers. And we did a ringer MLB show podcast yesterday, trying to figure out if he was the MVP this season, what would his stats have to look like? Like what, what if he went 15 and six and had 200 strikeouts and 170 innings, but also had 25 homers and 85 at bats and, good splits. Like I, we've just never seen anything like this. Have you been excited by him? Well, here's the thing that's funny about, uh, uh, first about the Astros, their bullpen, which was absolutely comical last year. And they had to use starters to, 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 to win it. I mean, they used starters and a brilliant performance by Verlander to win it. They didn't even touch their bullpen. They didn't yeah. use their bullpen. I mean, it was so bad. So that, that would concern me. They have a great lineup as we know, great lineup and guys in their prime too, uh, from that standpoint. Uh, and they will win their division easy. Um, Number two about Otani, the Yankees coveted Otani. They were furious, furious about the way he blew them off. Absolutely, they were incensed by it. They wanted him in the worst way. Now, 
after that, all you heard in spring training, and I was down in spring training, all you heard was what a bust he was. I yeah, mean, I you heard guys saying, we thought he was the greatest, and all of a sudden, Kershaw made him look bad. They are embarrassed by him. They didn't want to, they, they should really start him in the minors. And then all of a sudden, the season starts, and here he goes again. Now he's Babe Ruth again. So, I mean, here, here you heard about how great he was. Then he heard in spring training that he was embarrassing. He hadn't had a hit. Then the season starts. He's hit three home runs. He pitched great. So I can't wait till you know, late May he comes here. I can't wait to see him. I really, I, I, I like to reserve uh, an opinion until I see a guy. So, I mean, I'd really like to see just how good he is. I hope he plays when he comes to New York. I hope he plays and I hope he pitches and I hope he plays so I can get a look at him. So I think it's it's great. You know, he's playing with the best player in baseball in Trout, who clearly is. So it's a fascinating thing. I mean, the Angels have to rely on some young pitching that we'll see if it can perform over a long period of time. But uh, just having those two guys on one team could be so much fun. And the use of him, is, you know, it's comical. I mean, how are you going to play him with his talents? We've never seen something like this. I mean, you know, so it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to watch. It really is going to be very big. The one thing about him, though, he's buried. You know, you don't see him enough. You know, their games are too late. The East doesn't respond to it. So that's what's hurt Trout. Trout's almost an invisible yeah. player a lot of the time. Atani can be an invisible player, too, out there. It's hurt Kershaw, too. West Coast guys get hurt by not ever being part of the East Coast machine in baseball. So I'm torn on this because I do think if he had gone to the Yankees, everything that's happening right now would be magnified by 20. Oh, it, would, it, would, it would really be all anyone talking about He's about the it. worst place he could be for publicity. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, um, the Yankees get enough publicity anyway, and I think they're fun to watch and compelling enough as it is. And you look at him on the Angels, a team, I've been out here for 15 years. When I came out here, they won the World Series, and there was some Angels momentum for a couple of years, and then it died. And Trout's been here pretty much the whole decade, and he's been the best player in the ba- in baseball by far. And nobody really cares. Like he is nope. not one of the biggest stars even in LA, much less the country. In and one of the things that makes him special is also the thing when you go to games, he's so subtly good at so many things. It's almost it's almost like an Oscar Robertson type thing where he's just great, but there, he doesn't really jump off the field very much. Whereas like Otani. You know, you watch those highlights of the perfect game, and it's just like, just really compelling. Well, he came in and played the Mets last year, and I took my son to two or three games because my youngest one, Harrison, is a huge Trout fan. He loves Trout. He's yeah. a Trout freak. So, uh, and now he's already begging me for an Otani jersey. Okay, I know Otani now was wearing number seventeen. I know that already because he already <laughs> asked me to look up the jersey for him. So, um, the point is though, Trout put on a show at City Field that was just unbelievable. I mean, just uh, amazing over a couple of days how good he was. It was yeah. just mind-boggling if you watched them with what he did. And the Angels, you know, they beat on the, the Mets a couple of games. They they And they killed him on Sunday, and Trout, you know, hit two home runs and put on a show. And we know how good he is. And Trout will stay there unless somehow he can find a way to go to Phillies because that's where he wants to go. You know he's a freak about going back to Philadelphia. Right. He ever wants, you know, that's the only place he'd ever go. Uh, but I think he'll stay put. But uh, you're right, and I do think the Atani thing, if he was in the East, if he was not just on the Yankees, if he was, you know, on the Red Sox, if he was in the East where he could be part of the machine and you get to see him, it'd be a different thing. You just don't see the guys on the West Coast very rarely. And if you're bad on the West Coast and you're not on a dominant team, you could get lost. And as far as that goes, the exploits, no one gets to see the exploits. They don't see the highlights. They don't see the games live. So that really hurts. So from that standpoint, but he is such an unusual talent that it's getting so much play. He's actually here. Uh, I believe at the top of my head, it's Memorial Day weekend. He's here. Uh, uh, and, uh, 
it'll get a tremendous amount of attention. I think uh, when, I'm old enough to remember when Valenzuela, Fernando Mania took off oh, and things like that. When, and when, this, I remember when it was like that way. I can yeah. think of guys that it really was that way for. Fernando was one. Uh, Vita Blue was two. Mark Fidrich was three. Oh, yeah, Fidrich. Those were ones oh, where God. they came out of nowhere and they were just freakish. Absolutely. Fidrich was probably the most bizarre of all of them. But Vita Blue, I remember the, on an August day when the Yankees were terrible. Vita Blue filled Yankee Stadium. Uh, and John Ellis hit a bases loaded double off of about 450 feet. Yankee Stadium going crazy because Vita Blue was almost considered to be unbeatable at the time. Yeah. So, you remember, and Fernando Mania. So you're right. I Those think, are three uh, as an example of Gidry. guys. They're usually pitchers that, that cause this because they can so dominate the game. But Otani now has both. He has his offense and that ability as a pitcher. So he could be a very rare, very unique. And I don't think it hurts in this day and age at all that he's not an American. I don't think that even matters anymore. No, I really it doesn't. Don't. G- Gidry in 1978, I think was like that. Um, Pedro, even though he'd been around for a while, when he really ascended in 99 and 2000, I felt it became a thing. And it, and when he was in your city, people were going out. And I think Otani... You know, Harvey had a little of that when he first started too, you know? Yeah, a little he bit. He actually, he knocked the, he, the whole Dark Knight thing for a little while. It didn't last very long. Right. But he was about to build that a little bit. Gidry had as good a year. He's low key. It was yeah. a very different Yankee team. It was a very good Yankee team, but uh, and an ornery one. But he just was as good day in and day out as a pitcher can be. Gidry, as you said, in the twenty-five to three season. Oh, we've, the same Jesus, thing. we forgot it. We forgot about it. It'll be interesting with Otani when he, if he's going to play a lot on the other days is going to be the issue. We forgot about good in eighty-five. I think that's a great yeah. example. That was that was. Really the first time I can remember, even it wasn't my team, just being like, I got to watch this guy pitch. He's on tonight, Wednesday night. I, I, he might we strike out 20 guys. Yeah, we're ready. Hey, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. I want to take a quick break to talk about Gillette. I've been shaving since college. I haven't been shaving lately. I have this scraggly beard right now. But you know what's changed my life? The Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. You know, you know what else changed my life? The new Gillette 5 Razor five-bladed razor lubrication strip, great gliding performance, less irritations, especially if you combine it with the Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shaving Gel. You don't get neck sets. You just don't. Listen, I get the neck sets from the shaving. I don't get it when I have this combo. 15 soft microfins from the razor help create even and smooth shaving surface by gently stretching your skin. 360 Aqua Grip handle. Make sure you have total control over your razor even when it's all wet. I ordered it. I ordered the uh, the Gillette 5. Guess what? I got four refillable razors and free shipping. And then every fourth order free because I subscribed. And right now, you can get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realized you forgot to buy blades. Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor. Get every fourth order free. Visit Gillette online at GilletteOnDemand.com. Okay, it's about to get heated. NBA playoffs with Mike Francesa right now. It's such a bizarre year. I was thinking about that because I was just thinking about the playoffs with the season end of the day, and obviously I think of you and I think of the NBA. Um, It's such a bizarre year. I'll start with these things. There are three teams that you're going to go in and say, how good are these teams? How good is Houston, number one? How good is Philly, which is an amazing thing to even get out of your mouth? Uh, And how good is Utah? So uh, the, I don't think there's any difference between being number three in the West and being number eight at all. I think they're all equal. 
Uh, I think that I'll still pick Cleveland with the Boston injuries. I'll still pick Cleveland in the East because LeBron has had a year that if they don't give him the MVP, they shouldn't even name one. That's how good he's been. And he, he's played the most minutes. And he's been the best player by far. Um, and, he's, and he's dedicated himself this year. He hasn't missed game. To me, give it to LeBron. But wait, hold on. Wait a, wait a second. Wait a second. How wait, good wait, is Houston? Wait. How good is Houston? I can't, I can't let this LeBron thing pass. You don't want to give him the MVP? No, I'm not even voting for him in the top two. Oh, come on. He's a he DH. Does everything. No, he doesn't do everything. He doesn't play defense at all. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. You're at gonna all. compare that at, and what MVP candidate are you gonna put out of your mouth that doesn't play he plays less defense well, than LeBron James? First of all, if you're gonna the, tell me Harden plays defense? I think he tries a lot harder than LeBron. Oh, but come on now. He you does. don't really believe that. I do this year. I think no, Le- you don't. I think LeBron no, is don't. LeBron has been a DH LeBron's this not the year. defensive player once was he has to rest on that end of the court, but he's still in his He does more than rest. Plays more defense than Harden ever no. played. Yeah, Harden Harden has tried oh, harder defensively this defense. year. Come no, on, I'm now. telling you, Harden has tried oh, he, uh, harder wait, wait, on defense. Wait, wait. He, listen, the fact that you might even t- try to tell me he's even a little bit interested in defense. He is. I, I'm going to have a hard this time year with the he's guys. Worked, terrible. He's worked a lot harder on defense this year, oh, but please. more importantly, please. he's he's the best player on a team that is by far the best team, and he's having... A transcendent season. Where would Cleveland be without LeBron James this year? Wait, where would where would the Rockets be without Harden? They have other good players. No, they have the, Chris Paul is their one really good player. Chris they have Paul's a couple a good shooters. Player, but they have a lot of sneaky players that can play. So do the Cleveland. You can't compare Harden. To Cleveland has all, the... can you comp- you're trying to tell me you compare <laughs> Harden's game to LeBron James's game? Oh, absolutely. This year. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. And when does Harden have to step up and do it when it's real? At well, that, but that's a different life? question. I'm just judging well, like, by the regular like, season. That's part of LeBron's credibility is you know it's real. I don't, it, it's a regular season award for 82 games. Yeah, but I still this year, and listen, to me, he's still so much the best player, it's not even worth discussing. First of all, well, you're right. He's probably the best offensive player when he wants to be, but Harden has been, Harden's having one of the great guard seasons in the history of the league. Yeah, but you know what? They're meaningless statistics. They what? really are. Let's be honest. What, what do I care about? what Harden's doing in the fourth quarter of a game? They're winning one twenty to eighty-five. First of all, he's scoring more points than LeBron is. He has he has I think the same number of assists, and LeBron's getting like I don't know three more rebounds. And Harden's percentages are much better, and Harden's better team player? is way better. And you Harden- want to start the playoffs? Which player are you starting the playoffs with this season? Yeah. You're telling me right now I let you draft players. You're drafting Harden over LeBron in the playoffs. Well, who who else is on my team? What kind of team no, no, am I drafting that. for? I'm letting you draft players to start to win a championship this year. What's your first player out yeah, of but, the box? But that's a different argument. No, it's not. That's your MVP. No, that, that's your playoff this year. MVP. He played all the games. <laughs> he played all the games, but he didn't play defense. Their team gave no, up 120 a points a game. His whole life, the man rebounds like a monster, and he does whatever that team needs him to do whenever this year. Listen, he should have been the MVP. Every year, in the last eight years, he should have been the MVP. Every year, yeah. every year. I don't know about that. He's that much better than Curry, else. Curry's 2015 so this year, when was he had crazy. to dedicate himself to push this team, they should give it to him. Well, and I don't think they will because I think they decide. I think they get to a point where they decide we're not giving LeBron any more regular season MVP. No, stop it. it First of all, you act like he's carrying the Washington Generals. They have the second highest payroll in the entire league, and that most of the terrible. guys were picked by him. Yeah, that's his fault. That's t- that's that should be part of his MVP though. campaign. <laughs> 
He picked all these dudes. Without him, they've been a terrible team this year. Let me ask you something. Who do you think is responsible for them having to pay Tristan Thompson $19 million a year? Wait a second. Who do you think is responsible for that? But that's part of this. Talking about a general manager. It's the most valuable player. James Harden isn't like, hey, let's spend $20 million on my buddy who's represented by my other buddy. I'm trying to save you something here. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to remember this, and then you're going to watch LeBron play, as you know, brilliantly in the playoffs, and Harden stink again in the playoffs, and then you're going to say, boy, I embarrassed myself with this. Or I'm going to watch LeBron on, on basically being dealt a bad hand with this team that he yeah, helped but build. Yeah, have you ever seen him not play brilliantly in the playoffs? What, I mean, like, how, about the, how, what, how about the four times over the course of his career where he quit as oh, the no, season wait, went on? Oh, no, you got to go back many, many. Listen, no, I, know, I don't have to these, go back many times. You can't have argue with these two players. It's a silly argument. I did, Come on in, We can't in, waste our time with this one. Come in on. In 2010, he had a bad well, hand, wait a second. and he wait folded in the last two games. That's a Are fact. Are you going to try and tell me that you would start the playoffs with Harden rather than LeBron as a player? You and you're going to tell me you're a basketball man and you want to make that decision? I don't, but that's not that's not the criteria well, for the regular season. Most valuable, but that's not the criteria for the regular season MVP. Well, listen, we all know they're not going to give it to him because they stopped giving it to him long ago. But this year, he actually deserved it. That's my point. So give it to Harden. Let's watch him all stink again. Watch him stink again and run away from the ball in the fourth quarter of playoff game. <laughs> he. I just want to point out, Harden won 66 games and. Oh, I don't Harden even know did. if LeBron's okay. going to get to 50. Harden's yeah, the MVP West case the is unassailable. It has ever been. This year, and, and Golden State took the second half of the season off. I would put Davis over LeBron, too. And, Go- and Golden State took the second half of the season off. Well, but that's that's they're not part of this right, conversation. Get, forget this. We're not going to agree, but you, you, I'm trying to help you from being embarrassed when Harden sticks I, again in the playoffs. I, I'm but trying to help go. you with so Harden. Answer my other question. Is Houston way. real this year, or is this another D'Antoni Harden flameout? When Harden is the unanimous MVP, I'm not the one who's going to be embarrassed with this one. Yeah, I'm you just only get you are because in the playoffs you're going to watch and Harden's going to stink again. And just because they gave him, because they won the games during the regular season, it's a mindless exercise. Oh, they won 65 or 66 games, so he gets the MVP. And then yes. you watch in the playoffs as he does absolutely nothing. Okay? Well, but here's the thing. Answer the question. Yes. Is this another D'Antoni Harden flameout? So... The big question with this Rockets team is they look like they are they are by far the favorite right now to win the title. They have been rolling through teams. They've been up by Based 20 almost all the season. Golden State, Curry's out for round one. Golden State doesn't look like they have the fire right now. Everything is lined up perfectly for Houston. The East is a mess. Philly is now looking like an actual potential finals team because Cleveland's such a mess. Boston's so banged up. So are you up. picking Houston to win the championship? Oh, I think they're I think they're the prohibitive favorite and I have no idea if they're actually going to win because as you mentioned, we haven't seen Harden do it for four rounds. Chris Paul has had his own issues in the playoffs and seems to wear down as they go along. They're really going to have to manage his minutes. And Dan Tony um, has had issues in the playoffs. Right, so he just that's has. why I asked you the question that I want you to answer. Is this the year for Houston or is it another disappointment? I think this is the year for Houston. And if it's not, then then it's never going to happen. It'll never be the year. For yeah, it'll never I be the year that. for Houston unless it's this then year. The second question is, is Philly for real? Philly is absolutely 100% for real. And, and, uh, and here's why. Are you talking about finals real? Because of the conference, yeah. 
Cleveland's a mess. I, nobody has ever I agree, made... Cleveland's... Listen, Cleveland's only going to get to the finals because it's going to be on the back of the one guy who knows what to do in the playoffs. But the, gonna, that's the only way. If he doesn't have a Herculean playoff, they're not going to get to the finals. The problem with LeBron right now, and he's been incredible offensively the last couple of months, he can put up 40, 10, and 10 in these games, and they still lose by seven. I agree. Listen, that, they've which, had to go through the regular season, and play this way. We know that. And it's been a, te- a terrible season. And from a GM standpoint, it's been a disaster. I totally agree with you on that. And it's made him have to work this hard, which he probably didn't want to do either. Uh, but he did. Here's the thing, though. You now believe now Boston would have been the I actually Boston think would have been that perfect. if you gave me a full tilt Boston roster, this is the year they're going to beat LeBron. Oh, no I, question. I, but there was a chance. Now, I don't think so. No, not happening. The the right. thing that I Philly agree. has, Toronto, I still don't believe in. I don't think Toronto will ever. I think if they see, if they ever see LeBron, they won't know what to do with it. Okay, they will. He'll intimidate those guys off the floor. Yeah, the, so and, that's, and that's the thing about Philly. Could Philly ever win a stare down with him in a in a long series? Toronto's problem is LeBron owns them. And they had owns a chance three or four them, weeks owns ago. Them mentally and physically. Yeah. Owns them mentally and physically. They don't have anyone who can guard them. And anybody they put out who actually has a chance to maybe slow him down a little bit is a zero offensively. And he no. can just do whatever he wants. And he knows I it. Totally and they agree. know He's it. He's got him mentally and physically owns It's, them. it's a problem. Owns them. But Philly. Right, so the question is, is, well, is Philly, can they, are they ready with their youth? The first go round, are they going to be ready to do this the first go round? So the, the history of the NBA would say young guys no. in the playoffs, no. Right. The counter would be, they have two of the best 15 guys in the league. Like, I'm voting Simmons and Embiid for for my all NBA team. Simmons, third team, Embiid, second team. Simmons is a terrific player. So, Simmons has gone. Simmons has gone up a level the last six weeks. The athleticism, Absolutely. the pace, his confidence is Agreed. really crazy. And I, I thought, I don't love to overreact to this stuff, but um, what he did in that Cleveland game with the fact that he was just completely unafraid of LeBron and dunking and staring at LeBron after, like that doesn't happen normally. Like nobody he's in Toronto deal, would do that. Why. I really believe he's the real deal. I agree with you. I think he's been incredibly impressive and hasn't gotten enough attention. It's and it's happening now. He is getting enough attention now. But the other but thing I is, think, but I still think Cleveland is going to get out of the East because of what we just discussed. He can't, Toronto's never going to beat him. Boston's not equipped with the injuries. I think it's too much to ask of Philly, and there's nothing else. You know, you know, forget the back half, forget Washington, Miami, Indiana, Milwaukee, forget it. So you're looking at LeBron, or you're telling me this young Philly's ready to first go around to go to the finals. I don't buy it. So I still think Cleveland's going to limp into the finals. One thing about Philly that I think Warren's mentioning, because I agree with you, very young, you're, their best two players, Simmons has been in the league one year, and Bede hasn't even played 100 career games. But Bellinelli has been huge and a guy who has played in a lot of big games. Redick is a guy who has been in big games for years and years, dating back to Duke. They they do have guys that they can rely on. Like when they go Bellinelli, Redick, Simmons, Embiid, and Saric, who's a badass who was playing in the Euro League when he was like seventeen. That's not a team that's going to be young and afraid. Like those guys are all kind of overconfident. Simmons and Embiid act like they're two of the best five players in the league. It's great. They and do, I don't think they're going to they be afraid. Th- but they haven't been through this before. True. So and it's a very it, to ask them to do it the first time is even against a Cleveland team that has the deficiencies 
that this team has. But you know what? Having guys that have even been through this, you know there'll be games where Smith will show up, Corva will show up. You know there'll be games where... I don't know. Yeah, there will, because J.L. Smith's had games like that. He uh, will have games he's like been that. awful he's, this he's season. Not, he will have games like that. He'll have six threes in, in, a, in, in a half. You know, he'll do those crazy things. Love, they need him, which you know. Yeah. But Clarkson... Green, Hood, you know, they can, they, there's enough there that with his brilliance, they, and enough time in between games for him to recuperate, he can, I think, squeak his way to the final. So they, because of what we talked about, Philly's youth, I wouldn't say this about Philly next year. Yeah. And Toronto, forget it. Boston's injuries. I don't think there's anyone else there. I really don't. I have two responses. One on Cleveland, a team that has been as poorly coached as they've been and as bad defensively as they've been as they've been. Um, there's just no track record of them making the finals. It would have to but be... But they have the best player. Well, that's what I mean. It would have to be the best seven-week stretch of LeBron's entire career. I think he would to have to, to go... To get to the finals, it'll win it. To get to the finals, I think he would I have to they, go 40-10-10 10 every night. I don't know if they'll be... Well, I don't think the first round... I don't think it'll be that tough where it's going to be that taxing. Depends who they play. Like, if they play uh, Miami or they play Washington, I, I think they're in the four seed, but they could jump to three today. Indiana, I think, would be a little easier for them, but I think Miami. I think Indiana would be where they want to play in the first <coughs> right. round. I think that's. I, I think then, that's where they want to go. Going to Philly and be in the first round. Going to Philly and the whole too young thing. We've seen this happen before. Like I think the '77 Blazers are a good example. This is, I'm going back 40 years, but yeah, but that team had. Let's be honest. That team was perfectly built. It was brilliantly coached. And it had a guy who was free. And it had a transcendent good. player. I'm with you. But, I, but, a, what, if, the guy, but what if the guy, Simmons is transcendent? The guy, was, the guy played like an all-world player. He wasn't, and, and there was no such thing as a big game. The man had, the man had won two championships in 80 games. In the rare moment, the NBA saw him healthy. You know, that year and the year after when he went 50-5 and five with him in the lineup before he got hurt again, yeah. that, he was one of the all-time great players. So that's a, that, that's not a fair... And, and no, you no, had hold Lucas, on. You had Torzik and Steele. You had Gross and Holland. I know, but all those... I mean, that, that team was a, was a good team. But all those guys were really young, and none of them they had were, had any playoff Walton experience. was not young in terms... He was green. The guy had played in the biggest games his whole life. So he was... he was There was no such thing as his being shrinking in a big game. No, but everybody else on that team was young, and the theory going was, in was well, that they were too young. Guy who knew how to play in big games. Sure, I mean, he's he like was 25, though. And, 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 you know, the amazing thing that you might, rem- I, I know you'll remember, fans might not remember, in that year, in, they're playing a best of three against the Bulls and Otis Gilmore. And Walton and Lucas had already fouled out of the game. And it was Lionel Hollins who hit three straight shots yeah. that actually propelled them to win game three in a best of three series. Otherwise, they don't get out of the first round. And they almost lost, but it was Lionel Hollins that made the shots that actually propelled them through that first round. But young team that people wrote off and then they made the finals. 86 yes, Rockets. They did, but they were a very gifted team. Coached I, by Jack Ramsey. That's my I point. Mean, I think gifted. this Sixers team might be very gifted. I don't gifted. think they were on the level it of might a long game. We don't that, know. I think that's too much. 86 Rockets, much. another example. Remember that? Who? 86 Rockets. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, the first time they made the playoffs. And then they beat the Lakers and made the finals. And nobody saw it yeah. coming. Listen, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I tell you something. It's going to be a very new dynamic for the NBA. The fact that we're even talking about the Sixers. Think about that. Talking about the Sixers. Talking about guys like Simmons and Embed who've not, never been discussed in NBA in this way before. Yeah. And talking against them against LeBron James. And, and uh, the other one I was thinking was the 07 Cavs with young LeBron. Where everybody's like, oh, the Cavs, oh, they're not going to do anything. And then all of a sudden they beat the Pistons and they're in the finals. Now, how disappointing 
if Houston doesn't make the finals. If they don't make the finals with the way it's set up for them right now, I, I just don't think they'll ever have a better chance than this. You know, I, what I just, team of the of the bottom six teams? What team do you fear? If I'm Houston, from anything, what one of the six teams past Houston and Golden State? Which one of those teams? You know, Portland's had a good year. Utah had a great finish. Uh, you know, the guys who were on Oklahoma State. Uh, obviously, we know who teams that have had a good year and a bad year. Is there any team in the bottom six? And I don't think there's much difference between three and six in that group. No. Is there any team there that you fear? I think Portland in the right matchup could be really dangerous because of the way they shoot threes. And I think uh, Utah has, for whatever reason, been a horrible matchup for Golden State. And if Utah if Utah clinches the three seed and gets Golden State in round two, and Curry's not healthy, and they they know they can beat Golden State, they've beaten the crap out of them twice. That that's a that's a bad matchup for Golden State. I'm not saying they would lose, but that's dangerous. And Houston and Portland have had some wars this year. Portland loves playing Houston. They're like, oh, you're going to shoot threes? Watch this. We'll shoot more. And that's just going to come down to basic math. And uh, somebody like Lillard is really hard for them to guard. I think Portland weirdly matches up pretty well against Golden State and Houston. I don't know if they'll beat them, but uh, those are probably my two my two watch-out candidates. Tremendous amount of pressure on Tony, Harden, and Paul because they're carrying so much baggage into the playoffs this year. Yeah, I agree. Hold on, we're going to take one more break. Hey, when you run your own business, you know that time equals money. It's not just an old saying, it's a fact. So why waste your valuable time dealing with issues that LegalZoom can help with? Over 2 million people have used LegalZoom to start their businesses. But LegalZoom's services don't end there. Running a business comes with taxes, contracts, hiring employees. It's a lot of fine print. Even after your business is set up, LegalZoom can still help. Lease agreements, changing tax laws, contract reviews. These are precisely the kinds of legal hurdles that take time and effort away from growing your business. With LegalZoom's business plan, you get legal advice for your business from vetted independent attorneys and tax professionals. Available in every state, you receive access to NDAs, lease agreements, and more. You don't have to worry about billable hours. LegalZoom isn't a law firm. You can count on upfront pricing and clarity. So invest your time and money in growing your business. Let LegalZoom help out with the legal stuff. And for special savings, be sure to enter promo code BS in the referral box. At checkout, that's promo code BS for special savings only at LegalZoom.com. That is LegalZoom. .com. We, before we get back to Mike, just wanted to mention again, the Andre the Giant documentary is available on HBO On Demand, HBO Go, HBO Now. Check it out. All right, back to Mike. Uh, before we go, yes, I still can't believe you think LeBron's the MVP. I didn't realize you were in, oh, that, in the bag for him. Wow. I think he definitely is this year. The I team think won this 50 year games. Is the year Congratulations. Where he actually had to really expend a lot of energy. And listen, like I said, you could have given him the MVP every year. He's been the best player every single year, all these years. And they decided years ago not to give it to him anymore. This year, he had to participate, and that's why I'd give it to him. Well, he, but, but listen, I don't care if Harden gets it and then Harden embarrasses himself again in the postseason, which is what we've watched every year. So let's see if we see it again. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of baggage for Harden and for D'Antoni and Paul who have never collectively done anything in the postseason. I agree. You know, And I'll be fascinated to see if Golden State can scrap anything together. Their rotation is ridiculous because they have nothing on the second unit uh, and they continue to play that way, which never made any sense to me. Yeah, I don't have a lot of high hopes for them. You know, so I mean, listen, they do have firepower. That's one thing. 
I don't understand what's happened to Golden State this year. And I've talked to a bunch of people that are involved with that team. And I don't know if they totally understand it either. The lack of, they're acting like they've won six titles. And it's like they're the 98 Bulls limping to the finish yeah, line. Bored. All they're these guys actually, are in their prime. They're actually bored. You yeah. know that? I, th- I think some of their guys are bored already with winning. And bored with, and that's a bad thing to do because it's very hard to keep winning. And one of the things you must do, I think is very important. I think it's important whether you're talking about New England, whether you're talking about the Yankees in the late 90s. What the Yankees did every year was they energized the core by bringing a couple of guys in who were hungry who had never won each year. Yeah. And I think that's very important to do because otherwise you don't want your core to get bored with winning ever. And teams can get bored with winning. And I think you've got to energize your core by bringing guys in that at least are hungry and energize the rest of the group. First of all, Red Arback created that idea, not the Yankees. You can't take credit for that. I'm sorry. Well, the Yankees are very Arbeck good idea. at it, too, through the years. Yeah, it was a Red Arback idea. And, and Just give Red Arback some credit. as your Celtics in history, so let's be honest Just give that. give Red Arback the, the right credit. And their history predates the Celtics winning, so come on now. Well, the Red Arback created the let's bring a guy in and try to win ring from him. And I, I'm and with I you. And I think that's true, and I think that's something that the Yankees did a lot, too. They brought guys in, veterans in. They'd bring a guy in, you know, late in the season each year. They'd bring a guy in, you know, from the other league. They bring a guy in and say, you know, let's bring this guy into the core and let him be the guy who wins this year. And I think that's true. I think it's a great thing to do. And I think dynasties have done that. It's a very good thing to do. I actually thought that and was... I think Golden State might be a little bored. Well, I thought that was the flaw in what they did last summer. They they tried to keep the team together and they kept Livingston and they kept the Gudala for pretty big price tags. And it actually might've been a better idea to just bring in a couple, some new blood and some freshness and maybe that would have invigorated them. I don't know. They don't have an alpha dog in that team who is obsessed with, I don't care if it's our third game in four nights. Like we got to come on guys, let's go. They don't really have a guy like that. They have a bunch of, uh, a bunch of really good players who don't seem to care if they're not, the team's not playing that well. They'll be like, Oh, we'll be fine. Ah, we'll get it back. We're the Warriors. Like that's really a dangerous game to play once you get in the playoffs. Um, Let's go backwards. Go ahead. Last thing I want to talk about, just because we haven't talked since the Super Bowl. Brady throws for 505. Nick Foles has an out-of-body experience. Doug Peterson just has a watermelon-sized set of balls and and uh and one of the best coach offensive Super Bowls I can remember. And the Eagles steal one from the Pats, but they really didn't because they beat the Pats and they deserve to win. Um what was your takeaway? Is that the end of the Pats? Not the end of the Pats. Um, I think the Pats are going through some stuff, though. Uh, and I think it can get to a point where they give away t- or, or or jettison too many good players at one time. I think it's a dangerous thing to do to act like you don't need any of them. And I think you got to be careful of that. And I think they're running that, that risk. But that he would not punt that he would not turn the ball over in the first 55 minutes and that his quarterback would throw for 500 yards and he would lose, I don't think he would think that it was humanly possible. Yeah. Uh, I think Philly understood from the beginning that they couldn't stop them. They knew they couldn't stop them. They played the game as if they couldn't stop them. And they had a mentality, which you have to give the Eagle coaching staff and brain trust tremendous credit for. They knew what they had to do to win the game. And I fervently, fervently believe that if Brady had not turned the ball over when he did, the Pats would have won the game. I have not a doubt. I have not a scintilla of doubt in my mind that that would have happened. 
but, you know, that's the way it goes. They made the play they had to make. Um, it was a bizarre game in terms of how ineffective the defenses were. And the thing that's insane, though, about that game is what Belichick did in his secondary and the risks he took yeah. to make a point to the point where they were still coaching those other kids, in my understanding, very late in the week to learn the coverages and took out a player who was a mainstay for exactly what reason, I still don't know. So I, I find the whole thing extremely puzzling. It's almost like biting off your nose to spite your face. And I just, I still to this moment don't understand that. But I think if you dwell on that, you take away from the Eagles' victory. And I think, as you said very rightly so, as a Pat fan, they earned it. They did earn it. They beat them at their offensive best. They beat them at their offensive game. But I still don't understand the deployment. And let's be honest, the people that Belichick put in to replace what was a mainstay of his defense got torched in that game. Yeah. he it Butler wasn't great this year, but he certainly was better than the guys that were in there. I Absolutely. He, Plus, they didn't seem like they knew what they were playing either. So it, it, it was such a... It's almost like it's an unsolved mystery, but there seem to be a lot of unsolved mysteries around that team right now, going back all the way back to the quarterback situation and the trade with the Niners. Yeah, and too many of those leads you down the wrong path. The more I look back at that game and and get pissed off about it, the thing that makes me the maddest is that they let the Eagles have that long fourth quarter drive and that they didn't turn it into a. We're, we're just going to blitz you. And if you score, at least we get the ball back. The worst possible thing, and the only thing that could have lost the game for them was exactly what happened. This nine yep. minute, this eight and a half minute drive where now Brady gets the ball back with 222 left. And I, I'm with you. I thought he was going to win the game. It turned out that was probably one of three plays in his career that I think when he's 75 and he's living in Costa Rica with his still beautiful wife, He'll be thinking about three plays over the course of his career. One was 2006, Indianapolis, the third and three, where him and Troy Brown, all he had to do was complete a third and three to Troy Brown, and they win the Super Bowl that year, and it didn't happen. The Welker pass in the second Giants game, which I thought he overthrew yep. Welker. I was there. I, I think that would have been an impossible catch for Welker. Um, right. but the pass wasn't there. And then the third play was him getting stripped on that thing, which – I don't even think it was his fault. He had a guy who was wide open, 25 yards down the field. His eyes lit up. He was going to throw it, and he didn't realize that his whole right side of the line had collapsed. And just guy gets guy makes an awesome play, gets his hand on the ball. And there was really no way to avoid it, but I'm sure Brady is going to spend the whole offseason going, what could I have done differently? What should I have done? Should I have known this was going to happen? I think it was just a chain of events. He just, he saw this guy, his eyes got wide. And in that split second, he kind of forgot about the right side of the line. And that guy got in and that was the entire game. They would have had the ball in the And I'm 50. sure Belichick's been a lot of it wondering about what happened to his defense. But if he wants to wonder, he's got to look in the mirror and wonder exactly why he pulled the plug on a guy who was number two in the team in terms of plays that were played this year. And yeah. he doesn't see the field. I just don't understand it. Uh, it's a puzzle. Like with, I said, but with but, that said, though, uh, again, it, it was a, it was a fun game, and Foles performed brilliantly. I mean, let's be honest, they did. With that said, the front seven on the Patriots was appallingly bad, and probably did oh, not deserve terrible. to be the front seven Absolute, on, the, on a Super Bowl team. Yeah, awful defense. Atrocious. Hats off to the Eagles. Do you think? I mean, your favorite team is in their division. Do you feel like this is the start of a nice little four-year 
run a little along the lines of like what the Seahawks had with Legion of Boom? No. And you think this is no, a one I, and done? No, I don't. I don't feel that at all. I, listen, I think they. I, I think football. I think has become incredible for most teams. Incredi- incredibly idiot. Um, incredibly idiot. But uh, I, I think that that gap can be closed very quickly. Uh, I, I think they'll be competitive. I think they will be a threat. I do think you're going to see some changing of the guard, and I think things are going to break enormously quickly for the Niners, who are going to make a very quick leap. And the Rams and the Niners are going to be very big in the NFL in the next five years. Last question. I know you have opinions on this. I mean, hopefully your opinion hasn't been too devalued during this podcast with your LeBron MVP campaign, but we'll, we'll, we're oh going to try God. to move on. I mean, so oh, listen. How can you even argue Congra- harder than LeBron? Congratulations. I mean, that, oh, he won 50 games. Let's give him the MVP. That's almost comical. Oh, my Lord. You know Let's give it to him. You know better than that. I, I, didn't, I don't want to see you exposed in the playoffs when Harden does his usual exit stage left. I didn't. Are you? Are you with CAA or Clutch? I can't remember. Which which is your agency? Are you with the Le- Rich Paul and LeBron, his agency? No, no, no. He, <laughs> I, I have nothing to do with LeBron. Okay. And LeBron, no, he doesn't have any. You know, listen, I've never been with an agency. I just have a uh, a new business relationship with uh, CAA, but uh, they, they, they're not LeBron, no. And uh, I just have a... A uh, new relationship with them that I'm working on, but uh, that has nothing to do with LeBron being the MVP. I think he should have been the MVP every year in the last uh, ten years. To be honest with you. All right, this is a very important question. Rank the Fair. quarterbacks for me. Your team's picking second. Uh, the team that you've made fun of the most over the years on your show, the New York Jets, is picking third. Cleveland Browns, the least successful. I'm ranking them for me, franchise. not the way I think they're going to be picked. Don't okay. no, do both. I want ranking you for you, I, 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 and I'm then not, do for I'm the pick. I'm not pick. ready to do that. As far as my preference, I have said all along, and anyone who listens to my show knows this, that I said for two years that when Donald came out, he would be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, I am a big Donald fan. I was He was always my number one quarterback of the group. Um, Allen's transitioned quickly. I know he has a great arm. Um, I think it's very close with the other two quarterbacks. So I think it's Donald's one. And I think it's very close with Rosen and Allen. And to me, the absolute wild card, and I think it's a wild card in terms of every facet of the game, on the field and off the field, is obviously the Oklahoma quarterback. And what he does is really going to make someone look very good or very bad. He's going to be a high draft pick. And I think he's one of those quarterbacks that can either – launch you on a very good career or finish you as an executive. He has got that, I think, that real risk reward and could either be good or really bad as a performer and as a person. So I think he is the real X factor. And uh, I think he's also a hard kid to really make a decision on. There are people I know who love him and people I know who can't stand him. Same thing with Allen. Some people think Allen's just incredibly inaccurate and some people think he's going to be wonderful. I think Rosen is a solid guy. I don't love him. The only quarterback of the four that I personally think is one that is can't miss is Sam Donald. I think Donald will be a big-time quarterback. He's the only one that, if I was at the top, the only one I would be supremely confident about. So let's say Sam Darnold goes one. Who do you want the Giants to take it to? I think the Giants will not take a quarterback at two. I think they will try to trade out of the pick, and I think they would be very content if they wound up with uh, the guard uh, without any question. I think there's three players who are very high on the board, and I'll tell you, um, I think they'd be very happy to trade down. 
Uh, I know they love Donald. I've heard that and I, from people I trust. But then I think Cleveland's going to take Donald. I think everyone thinks Cleveland's going to take Donald. It'll be a shock if they don't. Then I think the Giants won't take the quarterback. I think they could trade down, although I don't ever predict that someone will trade down. If they pick in that spot, it'll be. I think it'll be very difficult for them to, to justify that they're going to take a guard number two. That's why I think they'd like to trade down. Uh, and then I think you're looking at them making a decision between the pass rusher and the running back. Uh, I don't like to take running backs that high. Uh, I, I don't believe in running backs at that level. I, I, I don't really – I prefer to take a pass rusher at that level, although he doesn't fit the system exactly the way the Giants uh, uh, I'm hearing want to play it. So that makes that a little tricky. I don't think the Giants will take a quarterback there. I really don't unless it's Donald. So And I do think they could trade out of it. Uh, the Jets will definitely take a quarterback, and I'm telling you right now, sitting here right this minute, I do not know who the Jets are drafting. I know a lot of people – I've heard people say they guarantee two different players that the Jets are drafting. I personally don't know who the Jets are drafting at three. I admit that. Um, and I think the other quarterbacks, to me, are very close. Very close. I have some things I like about them, some things I don't love about them. I'm a Donald guy. I have been from the beginning. Uh, I've never wavered on that. I would take him. I think he's the best of the group uh, by a solid margin. And I have a couple of players that I love. I think there's a couple of running backs who are close to Barkley. I think there are three really good running backs in this draft. The other two are a lot closer to Barkley than people think. And I also think there's a couple of wonderful players in this uh, in this draft, including a tight end who will dominate the game the way your di- tight end has dominated in New England. I think there's another one coming. Who is it? Draft. You're not going to tell you us? Find him. You have to find him. <laughs> I didn't have to do homework. His name is Gusecki. Okay. He's a wonderful player. Let me Absolutely ask you this. Wonderful player. You think the Giants can trade down, but if you actually go through the top 10, the only logical trade down partner is the Broncos at five. So do you think the Giants could flip picks with the Broncos and get something? The Broncos Absolutely. will move up? Okay. Absolutely. I think Elway's fixated on another quarterback. I think that could definitely happen. And I think the Giants would be very happy to go to five and take the guard and be thrilled with the player. I think they would be very, very happy with that. And some more uh, premium picks. I think they'd be very happy with that. What um, if, can I ask you, I have short yeah. questions. If yeah. Tampa calls and offers you Jameis for number two, do you do it? If Tampa called and offered me? Jameis for the second pick. Jameis Winston. I wouldn't do it if I'm the Giants. Yeah. No. And I wouldn't do that right now. No. What if they offer Jameis in the seven for Giants number two and the Giants second and third picks? See, I think the Giants are very content to play with Eli for a couple of more years, so I don't okay. think that's going to happen. I, I don't see. I don't see the Giants doing that right so now. So you think they want to stash? A young dude to put under Eli. I think the Giants have decided they want to be... I I don't think the Beckham thing was ever real that they were going to trade him. I don't think it was ever that far along like people were making it that they were going to trade him. Yeah. Uh, I think the Giants feel they can be competitive this year. I think they feel they can rebuild the offensive line and be competitive this year. Especially if they go from two to five and pick up some other stuff. I thought it was funny. And and absolutely, I think they can be. And I think they realize, I think they still believe they can get years out of Eli. I still think Eli can play at a high level for a couple of more years. I firmly believe that. But I still, if Donald was available too, if Cleveland blinks and on the Giants, if it's me, I am absolutely 100% changing my face about it completely and taking Donald at two. So if Cleveland takes Josh Allen one, which has I been am heavily rumored. I'm taking Donald at two if I'm the Giants. And wow. I think the Giants would. Okay. But I don't think that will happen. I think Donald will go to Cleveland on number one, at the, on the first pick. 
But remember, I know everyone thinks the Browns are going to do something screwy. And, and listen, if the Browns took another quarterback, they have to prove it's screwy. They could be right and we could be wrong about a quarterback. That's happened many times in history. But I feel that the quarterback that I feel confident with going forward for the next decade is Donald, myself. I've, I've, I've been a big uh, I've been behind him from the beginning. I think he's going to be the real deal, and that's the quarterback I want. If he's on the board at two, I want the Giants to take. What is your success failure rate over the years when you go all in with a quarterback from college? Are you like seventy five percent, eighty? No, I've been pretty good. As a matter of fact, I usually don't like a lot of quarterbacks. You know, I tell you something. I got in arguments with guys. I I don't want to say who, but I had arguments with guys who like RG three better than Luck. Ooh, and I thought Luck was the best quarterback to come out in ten years. I think Luck can be one of the great players of all time. I have been on record as that. I think he, and now I'm very worried about his career now. Me too. And I don't know if he's even a little bit healthy right now. Yeah. I haven't seen even a signal that he's a little bit healthy. But I think he was on the verge of being one of the great players of all time. Before we go, people miss you. Where are you? Uh, what's going on? Can you tell us anything? I can't yet, but uh, I would say we're moving in the right direction. You know, some things just take a little while for them to come together, but we're working on it. How about you? Anything new? Summer? September? What are you thinking? No, before I'd football? Say before. I'd say before. Before the summer or before football? I'd say before the summer solstice. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Absolutely. This is soon. I'd say before. I, I'd actually say maybe before. I, I'd say well before that. Well, you'll have something to talk about when Stanton is hitting 195 with 130 strikeouts at the end of May. <laughs> There's some fodder. I, 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 I love how you love to hate. That's what I love. I, I, lo- I, I love. See, you get one game under your belt in Boston. Yeah. You get one feeling game good. where feeling everything good. goes right, where Benatendi gets a couple of line drives and Betts puts one up in the porch and everybody's happy with the world. you got to go through Price tonight. And, you know, Price sees a Yankee uniform and usually, you know, know he, he melts on the uh, mound. I'm you a know, like concerned. the Wicked Witch. You know, it, it usually does. I'm a little concerned. Well, I you say I love to hate. You you completely crapped on James Harden, who had one of the greatest guard seasons of all time and won 66 Can I games. Can Harden do it when it counts one time okay. before we put him on the level with LeBron James? I, I think that's a very fair request. Unfortunately, it has nothing to do with the regular season. Still. Listen, if you're just going to base it, if you're just going to base it on who wins the most games, well, then you, you have the reward hands down. If you're going to tell me what guy, if I subtract them, the team would have been absolutely destroyed or could not have performed anywhere near at the same level, then it's LeBron. Or, Anthony, LeBron, or it's Anthony Davis. Excuse me? Anthony Davis. Uh, very close. Would have been, it would have been number two for me. He's, he's rising up my all-time ladder. China. The problem is the limitations now on a guy who plays that position are so extreme now in basketball that they're almost unfair. Yeah. You know, it can be minimized, and it's it's almost unfair that the game has gone to such lengths. I mean, look at how Villanova played, and you know, I loved Villanova. I thought they were going to win. I picked them to win. I, I, I'm biased too. I have to admit, I'm close to the coach, but I knew I hadn't seen a team that could shoot the three at so many different positions, including their bigs, that they were going to be impossible to defend, and no one even came close to defending them in the, play, in, the in the tournament. Not even close. And they basically copied the way Golden State played. They had six guys who could all shoot threes. It was cool. They passed the ball well, and they had six guys. And even their guys, like Pascal and Spellman, could step out and shoot threes. Yeah, Loyola Chicago even had the le- way less talented version of that same kind of offense, too. Yeah, they did until they couldn't play Wagner. They couldn't play him. Yeah. 
And Wagner's going to have a good NBA career. He's going to be a good NBA player. Oh, wow. A, a Wagner recommendation. Um, yes, because he's going to be able to step out and make a three, and he's going to be a very useful player in the pros. He absolutely will. It was great to talk to you. I will uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Good luck with the whatever the new Thanks. mystery venture is. Thank be you. Be well. Okay, bye-bye. All right, we're going to talk to Alyssa Bearsnack about Facebook and everything going on there. But first, the U.S. Postal Service is an important tool for any business reaching every household every day. Stamps.com. Our friends brings all the amazing service of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. Buy and print official U.S. postage with your own computer and printer. Stamps.com even sends you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage and they have postage discounts you can't get at the post office. It's the U.S. Postal Service right at your fingertips. Any letter, any package, any class of mail, and you're in control of all of it. Very important right now with Father's Day and Mother's Day coming up. Although Mother's Day is first, so I should have said that in reverse. But you know I love stamps.com? I like handing my outgoing mail and packages right to my mail lady because it's a mail lady on my street. Why would you ever want to get in your car to go mail something? Just hand it off to someone. Be like me. Use this code BS, my initials for this special offer. You get up to $55 free postage. You get a digital scale. You get a four-week trial. All you have to do is go to stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in BS, stamps.com, enter BS, sign up today. And one more thing before we get to Alyssa, again, I'm hosting the Ringer NBA show tonight, late night, late, late night. I might be half asleep, might have to get a coffee around six o'clock, but uh, we're coming in right after all the playoff seatings are set. Me and a bunch of our Ringer friends, we're just banging it out, trying to figure out who, who's favored, what's going to happen, all that stuff. It will be available for the Night Owls tonight. It will be available for everybody tomorrow morning. Check that out. Here we go. Here's Alyssa. All right. We wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, Facebook. I guess the best word would be fiasco with uh, the ringers, Alyssa Bearsneck. Um, you've been following this. You've been watching the hearings, you've been captivated by his electric personality as he gives his <laughs> testimonies. Um, can you try to sum this whole thing up in less than a minute, what this means to the future of America? That's a tough question, but I'm giving it to you anyway. Sure. I think the most concerning thing about this event was it demonstrated how little our lawmakers know, and they're the ones in charge of regulating Facebook. So it, in some the lawmakers know something is wrong. They just don't know what Facebook is. So it's going to take a really long time for them to figure that out in order to make rules to regulate Facebook. And in the meantime, Zuckerberg is going to be self-regulating and that might be bad for everyone who uses the platform. And the history of America is basically when you build something that's gigantic and it becomes a monopoly and the rules don't really apply, we usually fix this. And for the last 14 years, we haven't come close to trying to fix this. And now right. belatedly, they're trying to fix this. Yeah, like even like the audio, auto industry. It's like they started making cars and then they're like, oh, we need a seatbelt because people are flying out of the windshields. Yep. Um, but that's just such a an easy, visceral um, demonstration of, of a regulation. And in this case, we would be like really having to pick through the algorithms, which are super complicated and you know, if you're a 70-year-old congressman, you might not really know what that entails. Right. And and I've seen this pointed out on Twitter, but it is funny for them to be blaming Zuckerberg for not 
knowing a lot of this stuff when a lot of the people who are <laughs> decide our laws don't read the laws and don't do any of the homework. I mean, it's basically the same situation. I But I look backwards and I think, you know, Obama was in office for eight years. And during those eight years, Facebook ballooned into this content monolith. And by the time Obama left office in 2016, um, the Facebook newsfeed was the number one way to distribute news. And the one that all these different media outlets were looking at is how can we get on the Facebook algorithm? People were doing advertising on there. Obviously something was happening politically and it just did not seem to be on the radar for the entire Obama administration. Does, does he, should he take more slack for, for his role or lack of a role in this whole thing? I mean, that's such a great point. This has been an old um, problem. And I, you know, like I joined Facebook in 2006 and I've been watching since I was basically 17 years old um, that this this product has manipulated my life right. <laughs> in, in many different ways. Like it's a very personal relationship with this platform. Um, they they were having a great time because there wasn't any threat of Trump, you know, like no one really saw this insane, insidious, like fake news storm coming on. Um, and so, and Obama, you know, getting back to Cambridge Analytica scandal, which is kind of what set off this whole testimony in the first place, Cambridge Analytica was able to get access to millions of users' data um, under old Facebook policies. Obama used similar psycho um, manipulative tactics in advertising to his constituents too when he was running for president. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily like, oh, um, the Trump administration came along and decided to like exploit the internet for bad. It's more, it's more like we've always been doing this, but once it threw our world into chaos, that's when we started to care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you Google Obama 2008 Facebook, the, uh, the first few things that come up are about, and I think people forget this now, like US News 2008. Barack Obama and the Facebook election. And the subhead is the president-elect was far ahead online, the two writers, right? And it talks about how this was the first time somebody had run for president and used Facebook and MySpace was still around to a lesser degree. But one of his key strategists, who was 24 at the time, Chris Hughes was a Facebook co-founder. And it says, it was Hughes who masterminded the Obama campaign's highly effective web blitzkrieg, everything from social networking sites to podcasting and mobile messaging. It's really strange to me that he didn't also see the potential, you know, obviously he saw the good in it and he exploited it to his benefit, but that he also, at no point during those eight years, that he didn't see, oh, wait, if this was in the wrong hands, this could be really bad. And I, I think, I really think he should take more shit for that. Yeah. I mean, right. Obama's kind of an optimist too. And he, his whole administration, he was embracing Silicon Valley like crazy, like so many people who worked in tech came to Washington and worked for him. And that was part of his strategy. He was able to recruit a lot of talent. So he was close with them for a reason. Um, it's true. Like both him and Mark Zuckerberg was, were just like insane optimists, quote unquote. And they just weren't able to see the future coming. Uh, by the way, optimists about <laughs> the internet, which is the most pessimistic place we have and that we're probably we've ever created. It's just kind of funny. Truly, that, it's hard for me to understand as someone who spends a lot of time on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And I think there, you know, Facebook for years and years, I, I think I joined in like 2005 because my wife had a baby and 
um, I wanted to put pictures of our kids on Facebook to, for my friends to see. Um, I might have even joined sooner than that. I don't even know. But for for years and years, it was just a place for me to post photos for my friends and my family or for me to look at photos of my friends and my family. And that's really all I wanted from Facebook. And then over this decade, you saw news outlets starting to use it. And I remember when we were putting together the ringer in the, you know, October, November, December, 2015, all the way through the start of 16, you know, we, we were really worried about the Facebook algorithm and had so much power all of a sudden. We were like, do we create a website that relies on that algorithm? What do we do? And we, we were really skeptical and dubious of it. All they had to do was change a couple of things. And all of a sudden, if you built your business around that, you're in trouble. At the same time, we, when we were innovating the ringer, the grant lane was, was sports and tech. I mean, sports and pop culture. And we really wanted to have tech as part of the ringer because we felt like this was becoming as important as sports and politics and pop culture. This, this was kind of the fourth vertical of life that was materializing. And now it seems like it's almost ballooned past all that stuff. It really fit. This feels like the most important story that we have right now. Do you, do you think there's a more important story than this? I mean, like Michael Cohen's office being raided by the FBI is like way sexier for sure. Right. <laughs> like, I, I love that story, but I, I have to agree. Like, I, I mean, like I said, I've been watching this for 14 years in a really personal way. I, yeah. I joined Facebook in high school when I got my college email and, uh, I, I was looking back at like the initial things that I posted at the very beginning just to try and understand why I used to like it. <laughs> and it was just so innocent. It was like just me and my friends and an entire album of us hanging at a park. And there was no worry that Facebook might take that data and manipulate it. And now yeah. every moment that I post on the website, I'm thinking about who might see this, what ad will come later. Um, whether or not I'll get enough engagement, because that's the whole thing. Like even Zuckerberg, when he was posting in Washington, D.C., right before he went to the testimony, he included a photo of like the cherry blossom trees and a really nice picture of Capitol Hill. And it was so ironic. It's like we've been taught as humans to sort of play into the algorithm. And he was performing it just as much right before he was going to testify about all the damaging things Facebook has done to us. <laughs> right. Well, I, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when the internet really started to get going. And for the first time, this was late 90s. I'm not sure how old you were at that point, but it was the first time people started thinking, all right, if I pay for stuff online and I put my credit card online, what happens? This was like five years after the net with Sandra Bullock, right? Where it's like, <laughs> you have this fear of like, oh, everyone's going to steal my information and my identity will be gone. And if I put my credit card on a website, I don't know who else can get that credit card. Somebody could charge $100,000 to my credit card. I wouldn't be able to stop it. And there was real fear and panic about that. And it really kind of crippled some of the stuff. You know, it crippled the ability of newspapers to initially say, here's our content, just pay for us online because people didn't want to. And I think Amazon kind of started to wear people down over the, for, over the early part of the last decade. And people started getting used to it. Then eBay, PayPal, and there are these little bumps as it went along. And then by early this decade, it was almost like we all kind of stopped thinking about it. And, and it was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Oh, yeah, I'm protected. And now you find out over the last couple of years, oh, yeah, b b people left and right are selling my information to whoever <laughs> or giving it to them. And 
I don't know. At, at, on the one hand, people are super disappointed and I think a little bit scared of how scary the potential of all this is. But on the other hand, it, I don't want to say we should blame ourselves, but I kind of feel like we should have seen this coming a little bit. Am I wrong? No, I mean, especially as someone who's been covering Facebook for so many years, it's just really interesting to see how they keep repeating these phrases like, we made a mistake, we need to do better. Like, that's literally kind of what Zuckerberg said when he was a college student at Harvard and made a hot or not app, you know? Like, he's practiced at this. So the fact that we've just kept forgiving over and over again, the same way we may have um, kept forgiving the credit card um, lack of credit card security online. It's it's concerning because no one really understands what's going on. Our lawmakers are so behind on the technology that there's just no way to keep up with the complex algorithms unless they're more transparent. But Zuckerberg is the king of this empire. I mean, he has voting control of the board and he's a CEO and he thinks he's the best guy for the job and there's not much we can do to stop it. Yeah. I wonder, you know, I mean, Lord knows with Trump, we're probably not in great hands here, but um, <laughs> but it almost seems like we need, this is like its own cabinet. And I know they have these little cabinets with this guy's in charge of the internet or whatever, but or the internet security. And I'm sure they have these little suppositions, but it almost seems like we need a czar to step in and just completely redo the rules on how we do some of this stuff. But, and on paper, that sounds great. But then you think about, oh yeah, with guns, we we can't even figure out how to keep AR-15s out of, uh, you know, out of the country. We're certainly not going to be able to figure out how to regulate the internet. And yet it seems like we are heading toward a point where we need to regulate the internet. They did it with radio. They did it with television to at least some degree. You can't, you know, you can't show a sex scene on ABC at 10 o'clock. <laughs> That's illegal. And you, there's heavy fines for that. Um, why can't we head toward that with the internet? What are the, what are the obstacles that you see? Sure. I mean, I think part of it is that Trump wouldn't care enough. Like he's got his own stuff going on. True. <laughs> um, but, but Obama I, didn't, but to be fair, Obama didn't care enough either. Yeah. He did um, small stuff to start putting people in charge of tech related stuff right. in the United States. But like, did not make it a passion. Did not make it like, we have to fix this. I am really worried about how this is going. He just never did that. Yeah, I don't think he ever expected it to get this messed up. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there, we. I would love a czar. Like, please bring on the czar. Um, I, I, uh, I read this interesting Bloomberg Paul Ford piece where he kind of proposed an agency that just like the EPA sort of um, monitored data spills and then um, assigned fines and, and things of that nature based on those spills and then like created laws. And I think, I mean, it's very clear that we need an organization of experts to handle this and not just our lawmakers to recognize what's wrong in Facebook when they can, can't even figure out what Facebook is. I mean, I barely know what Facebook is. Yeah. Well, I guess the difference between what's happening, because Google, we didn't even talk about and, you know, Twitter, obviously, um, the difference, like you mentioned automobiles earlier, and we all needed automobiles, but at the same time, there were very basic ways to change how they behaved. There were very, very basic ways to change. Um, yeah, you can't just pump carbon monoxide that can kill anybody within 20 feet. Like we have to, you have to fix your exhaust pipes and you have to put seatbelts on. And if you have this engine and it catches on fire, you have to fix this. It's a little tougher to tell Facebook and Google what to do. And especially 
Google, which just has, I mean, Lord only knows the kind of information they have on all of us. I can't, I can't even fathom it's, it's and, and, and how damaging it would be if it came out. And I'm sure they have like everybody's search history forever. And, um, you know, I just think it's tougher. It's almost like you, I wonder if lawmakers are almost afraid to screw with them to some degree because they're kind of poking the bear, right? Yeah. I mean, one thing that kept coming up in the testimony that I thought was kind of a, a false idea that Zuckerberg kept presenting was that users love when their ads are targeted. Like users love seeing relevant ads. And it's like, okay, maybe you came up with that idea because you need to show ads. And when you showed them ads of, I don't know, like ugly shoes they don't like, they were unhappy with them based on your like small research. But actually what users like is to know that their data is safe. Yeah, (laughs) And, And that is like the main issue that he's kind of dodging by saying, well, we're just trying to serve users relevant ads and it's like well actually the whole business structure is fucked and yep. you need to consider what to do to make an alternative to this like ad based data um based business model so yeah i mean it's it's a lot to wrap your head around but he won't even acknowledge that the business model is corrupt yeah i would say as a user I would think everybody would have the same like basic priorities, right? Which is, please, please don't let me get hacked. <laughs> please don't give all my personal data to other people. Please protect me from people who are trolling me in like a particularly vicious way. And those are like the basics. And then it goes into like, what's my user experience like? Oh, this is cool. Like, but those three things have to be there. And if they're not there, you know, I really feel like if Facebook hadn't bought Instagram all those years ago, and I'm not the only person to make this point, but like if you just remove Instagram from the Facebook equation, which I know is hard, it was very smart to buy Instagram. It was what, one of the shrewdest things anybody did this decade. But if they didn't have Instagram and it was just Facebook on its own, and let's say Twitter had bought Instagram, um, I, I don't know what happens to Facebook. Because at that point, I think people would just be like, you know what, I'm out. But it's almost like the Instagram component. People love Instagram. I would say it's one of the most, I, I one of the most popular um, platforms I've, I've ever seen. I, I might rank it number one just for the ease of it, um, how any age group can use it. And it's just, you don't have to worry about your information getting stolen. It's just, you're just posting pictures and that's it. Um, if they hadn't done that, I really wonder how this would have played out. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's their escape plan, basically. Like, I think that, like when the Cambridge Analytica story first broke, everyone was saying, delete Facebook. Like it was a hashtag cam- campaign, everything like that. Um, and then they slowly realized, oh, I can't just move to Instagram because Facebook owns Instagram. Right. And in terms of ad platform, it's literally the same thing. Like all of the the information from your Facebook profile is shared to your Instagram profile right. and vice versa. They just sort of move back and forth as this continuous data stream. So, yeah, I mean, we're screwed there. And then WhatsApp is also owned by Facebook, which is a highly popular messaging app. Um, if you look at the top, I don't know, six apps in the App Store, three of them are owned by Facebook. Wow. So... It's I mean, it's true that this is their next step. And a lot of investors have kind of been eyeing Instagram as like, okay, this is the future. Um, But I don't want to give it up. I mean, I I can't give up any social media because it's technically my job to use it. But 
I also really love Instagram. It's true. Like lots of great stuff is on there. And the other thing I'm worried about is if people start moving en masse to Instagram, Facebook has a lot of um, machine learning and AI tools that analyze images that can scrape data from images as well. So they can identify objects and all of that. And that seems like the future for Facebook if they are still so data hungry. Yeah. This next question's tough. Are we sure Zuckerberg's a good guy? <laughs> I'm just going backwards. First of all, Social Network, I think, is one of the best, one of my favorite movies that's come out in the last 10 years. And you leave that movie going, wow, I don't think Zuckerberg is a good guy. And now you look at everything that's happened the last 10 years and the way he's handled this and even just watching him in the Testament. There was that great gif yesterday on Twitter where he's just drinking the water like an alien and uh, the responses he gives. But then his way to kind of throw us off the scent is he just gives a ton of money to charity. It's like, look, I'm a good guy. I'm, I am giving money to charity, but I'm not sure he's a good guy. What is your opinion? I loved that Zuckerberg impression. Thank you. (laughs) You should do that more often. (laughs) I'll do the the rest of the podcast like that if you want. What do you think, Alyssa? (laughs) Um, Actually, so I think that the social network was an interesting experiment because I think that movie actually had to exaggerate a lot to make Zuckerberg an interesting person. Mm. I think he's much blander than that, actually. Um, And either that or he's A-B tested by his vast communications team to be much blander than that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think that maybe, I mean, okay, I know what is shared to me by the public and then Um, or what he shares in public, and then the small snippets we can gather from his past if he hasn't already deleted them off of his platform that he controls. And one of the things that came out uh, among this uh, Cambridge Analytica scandal was a chat conversation he had had at Harvard with a friend about how he could access anyone's data. And then the person asked, oh, how did you get a hold of this? And he said something like, they let me, dumb fucks. And right. And it's shaky reporting. Like, it's not entirely sure if that's true, but I totally believe it's true. <laughs> like, I totally believe that he is a boy genius who thinks he's smarter than everyone else. Well, what he did to the Winklevoss twins, which has been well documented, that happened. He was j- they hired him to, to come up with this idea. And he realized somewhere along the line, ah, screw those guys. I'll just keep this myself. Like, that's not the act of a nice person. However you want to spin it, it's just not. And and a lot of the stuff that he's done over the last de- last decade, which we've written about at The Ringer, and we've been writing about this all week and all month and for the last few months, like he feels very coached. He feels very rehearsed. And all of his decisions seem to be decisions that were made after conferring with a bunch of people, whether it's, I'm gonna, I should give money to this charity or I should give this statement about, about, uh, about some of our issues we've had. And I just don't know what the real person is. And as you, we were emailing about what to talk about during this and you emailed me, you emailed me that the most bizarre thing about this is this person who has created the greatest communications platform we've probably ever had other than the television is also terrible at communicating. Yeah, it's true. And even in the testimony, it was fascinating. He had clearly latched on to these phrases like Mr. Senator and um, now I'm doing my Zuckerberg impression, <laughs> Mr. Senator. Mr. Senator. <laughs> and uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll have my team get back to you on that. A lot of I'll have my team get back to you on that. And there was a woman sitting behind him who I think was part of his communications team. And she was furiously typing on her phone. Who knows what she was saying? Just like freaking out the entire time. Yeah. But she would look up and listen every time he was handed kind of a difficult question. And you could see her eyebrows and her eyes shifting to like analyze whether or not he was hitting the talking point. And then yeah. as soon as he did it, she would look back at her phone. And it was just like this fascinating thing, like a reminder that he has this giant um, arsenal of tools to approach the world and and yet he just never learned these skills as a person and and then that's when you start wondering okay so like what is his human interaction like like what's he like with his wife because all we have is this really learned um, coached persona yeah and he's somebody that doesn't even go back a few years you know I've been a public person for a while and I had a Facebook and at some point they just switched what the privacy settings were and made everything a lot more public. And they didn't really explain that to the users or tell them. And I got emails from a couple of readers like, Hey, anybody can go on your Facebook and look at pictures of your wife and kids. And I'm like, what? I thought I had done all those settings and I had to go in and, and redo all the settings that I had already done that I already trusted Facebook that they had put through for me, which I would, my whole Facebook page was now public and you know, hundreds of pictures of my baby, my babies and my kids and my, my wife. And I just thought that was really fucked up and their apology for it because it became kind of a thing that week. Like, Oh, did you realize Facebook did this? And their apology was just really kind of impersonal. Like, whoops, sorry. Oh, we thought we told you. And that seems to be a recurring theme with them over and over again. Oops, sorry. Oh, we didn't realize. Oh, we thought we had told you. Oh, we, we didn't realize it was playing out that way. Oh, we knew that was happening, but we didn't know the scope of it. And, it, and it, man, this stuff adds up after like the 10th time. I really, I, I don't trust Facebook at all. And I really thought about deleting my whole page. I have t uh, hundreds of photos there and I'm just not sure. I, I, I don't want to go to Facebook anymore. I'm really at, at wit's end. And I, I think, I don't think I'm alone with this. So I don't know how this plays out and it doesn't sound like you know how it plays out either. <laughs> I mean, I think we're just going to be seeing this like this getting even worse before it gets better. Yeah. I'm not I'm not quite sure if the if Congress is is going to be able to get it together to act. I, I'm not sure. He definitely did a good job of convincing the world that he can represent Facebook. Um, after the first day, his net worth went up like three billion dollars. on Yeah. The stocks. Um, but I think there were a bunch of skeptical Congress people like Kamala Harris and even Someone like Lindsey Graham, he was asking a lot of questions about how they're a monopoly. They they don't believe that he really takes this seriously. And it's just a matter of whether or not there can be continued momentum. And that depends on if people like us keep being angry. <laughs> yeah, and the problem is everybody has so many things to be angry about these days. It's, it's hard to pick and choose. Like, you know, we're going from one, oh my God, I'm so angry about this thing to the other. But I think this people's very basic privacy has been completely compromised in a way that has not been explained properly yet. Here's my last question. If you had to bet, I'm going to say you have to bet um, everything in your checking account on one of these two outcomes. One is that this gets better and Facebook does all the right stuff and figures out kind of a solution to a lot of the issues we have and are genuinely... Um, 
apologetic about what happened and genuinely committed to fixing this. That's one outcome. The second outcome is that this gets worse and there's a smoking gun that we don't know about yet. And there's three more stories like that Cambridge thing and there's stuff they've been hiding. And basically this is like almost Watergate 40 plus years ago before we found out that Nixon knew and was on all the tapes, (laughs) that there's still this extra layer of horribleness that is lurking and we haven't hit yet. If you had to bet on one of those two outcomes, what would you bet? Well, I should first preface this with the fact that what's in my checking account isn't that much. Well, but do you still care about it? (laughs) I do still care about it. Um, I would say the latter. I'm a little bit of a pessimist. Wow, the latter. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, this is bad. Yeah, it's really bad. I grew up in Silicon Valley. I've watched it evolve, you know? Like, we started with MySpace, and I saw the... um, the like minor dramas it caused in my high school. And now I've just watched it evolve to uh, a, a thing that affects the integrity of international elections. So yeah. um, I guess I just haven't seen it slow down. So why would I, why would I expect that now, especially under a Trump administration? Can we figure out, is there any way to even conceivably figure out what the next step, what the next smoking gun would be? What is like, what is a possible worst case scenario? You're like, give me one. Well, so the same thing that Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica did, a lot of different organizations could have done. Um, during the time that Facebook's social graph allowed third-party apps to uh, enter into the system every time you used them to sign in, that was when Cambridge Analytica um you know, presented this app. I think it was called something like my, my, your, this is your digital life. Yeah. And, and that's how people gave over their data. But not only that, the app had access to people's friends' data. So Uh. thousands and thousands of apps during this period of time had access to these things. Who knows what's on their servers? And Facebook's next steps are to look into what these apps did with our data. I don't know how vigilant they were about record keeping. It seems like a huge task. He's given very little detail on the actual parameters of this audit. So I think that we could potentially have like six more Cambridge Analytica's. Maybe they didn't all help the Trump campaign in the 2016 election, which were a lot of people are angry about, (laughs) but they could have used it for other nefarious reasons. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there were state actors or even just partisan actors mixed in with all of that. God, it's starting to feel like big, powerful, wealthy people might not have the best intentions. Oh, wait, we've always (laughs) known that for the last, basically the plot of of, uh, There Will Be Blood and every movie ever about any of this stuff. I think it is crazy, though. Fantasy wrote about Sandra, uh, the Sandra Bullock, the net movie. And it was just this so over the top cartoonish characterization of, oh, here's what the internet could do. And now it's like, we're actually here. It's like, I, I, like these places might have all of our data and know every single thing there ever is to know about any of us and every sort of internet habit we have, all the people we know, everyone we're friends with, whether we're checking to see our ex-boyfriends or girlfriends, um, it just, it's just creepy. It really is. We don't know who has our social security numbers. Um, I don't think we can cover this story enough. Fortunately, we've been writing about it a lot on The Ringer. Alyssa, Victor Luckerson, Molly McHugh, Kate Nibbs. Um, we've been trying to cover this as much as we can. We think it's 
the most important thing going on right now. I mean, God bless the NBA playoffs. God bless the NFL draft. But this is really scary stuff. I'm really proud of the stuff we're writing. And uh, thanks for coming on, Alyssa. I hope this doesn't get worse. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. And me too. <laughs> All right. Say hi to everybody in the New York office. I will. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks to Mike Francesa. Thanks to Alyssa. My listeners can try out ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. My listeners can also try out Gillette. You can try out everything at Gillette. You can try the Gillette Fusion Ultra Sensitive Skin Shavings Gel. You can try out the new Gillette 5 Razor. Feel with a 360 degree aqua grip handle. 360 aqua grip handle. Is that why they call it 360, Kyle? That's why. Yeah. 360 aqua grip handle. I don't even know what that means, but I know I love it. Uh, now you can get Gillette Performance delivered to your door. No more getting mad at yourself because you just got back from the grocery store and realized you forgot to buy blades. Subscribe today. Pick your favorite razor and you get every fourth order free and you get free shipping. Oh yeah. Visit Gillette online at Gillette On Demand. Com. Don't forget about the Ringer NBA show. Don't forget to listen to the controversial House of Carbs. A lot of cities are already mad at us. Might not be able to go to some cities anymore. I plan on going in disguise and eating at all the places all the angry all, all the angry residents from those cities have sent us, including Cleveland. Did not know that Cleveland had this little secret food scene. Oh, yeah. Hopefully I don't get to find out because I don't want Cleveland to make the finals. I'd rather see Philly there or my beloved Celtics. Either way, we're bringing our bellies and our stomachs to the finals. Uh, check out that podcast and uh, check out all the other Ringer stuff. Talk to you on Friday morning. Have a little basketball surprise for you. Stay tuned. <laughs>